You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. It is Team Talk. He's Sam Hauser. I'm Joe O'Neill. We're kicking it with Zach Gentry here this afternoon. Have him in studio. Always love getting caught up with number 88 of the Las Vegas Raiders. I tease that we've got top five coming up, and we do have top five, including the biggest story in college basketball that nobody is talking about. I can't wait to hear that one. Sam Hauser, will you take it away, please? It's time for the Hinkle Law Office's Top 5. Hinkle Law Office is representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. Take it away, Sam Hauser. All right, and just a reminder, True or False Tuesday coming up after this, but... Getting us started, of course, number five, it's always who's in, who's out in the world of sports. Who's in is up first, and we got a few of the top high school football players from around the metro area making their college commitments yesterday, announcing those on their social media, starting with Cleveland Storm linebacker Stratton Schufelt. Argued as maybe the top linebacker in the state, maybe the top linebacker in the entire southwest part of the country, for goodness sake, staying somewhat close to home. Committed to UTEP. Now, according to 24-7 Sports, he did get offers from both New Mexico and New Mexico State. By the way, along with the Air Force Academy, Coach Prime in the Buffs, and Ivy League schools Yale and Harvard. So, a lot of different directions to go with that one, just as far as the opportunities there, what he set himself up for, but choosing to go to the place that his dad played college football at UTEP. Zach, uh, yeah, Schufeld... Beast at Cleveland. Uh, you stay up on this stuff. I mean, uh, it seems like there's as, as many D1 prospects in the metro area now as they've been in a while, Zach. Really neat to see. I mean, it probably, yeah, like you said, as many as there has been in a long time. Um, I've had the pleasure of being around Stratton and his family a little bit. Uh, you know, got to call a game that COVID year. I think he was a freshman against Clovis where he, you know, broke the game apart, but uh, cool for him. Cool for him to go to his dad's alma mater. Really special. You know, he. Uh, I read James Yotis's piece in the Albuquerque Journal today about um, how he just had a great experience in his visit. Uh, you know, uh, the the NIL stuff and the transfer portal stuff was not anywhere near around when you were, uh, you know, going through high school to college and all that. But at the same time, that was kind of when the rage was going on of like who could outdo who when it came to these visits. Uh, and like I, I know, like you, every well, just give us an example, a quick example of what it was like at, on one of your visits. <laughs> well, back then. Mind you, it was a lot less exciting and extravagant. But I will say, Tennessee Volunteers put it all on the line. What? Ooh. Yes. Vols? The Vols. They put it big time. Uh, private dinner in the locker room with the coaching staff and my dad. They rolled a literal red carpet out to the 50-yard line. We walked out in Neyland Stadium. As the sun was setting, <laughs> they put my highlight tape on the Jumbotron. As the sun was going down over the stadium, and they played the fight song, so they did a, they did a heck of a job, man. <laughs> and despite that, you ended up, uh, you know, originally planning on going to be a hook'em horn. I'm yeah. sure Texas did a decent job as well. 
Charlie yeah. Strong and company. You knew Charlie forever, uh, and he he they, they did a good job there in Austin. I'm assuming as well. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job, and you know it. For me, it was just such a cool experience uh, to go to those places and even just see the day-to-day stuff they were doing. But all that added stuff was great, and you know, I had some great, great visits back then. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Congratulations to uh, Stratton Schufeld going to UTEP. Going to UTEP, uh, where, his, where his dad played football. Good That's story. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, good, good reason right there. It would have been, would have been nice to have him playing at University Stadium. But yeah, there's a lot of reasons there, and we know he'll do great at UTEP. Following in a prestigious lineage of the likes of Adam Deal, team president Joe O'Neill, following in the footsteps of being an Eastern New Mexico Greyhound, Elijah Brody going to go to Eastern. You know, I saw that as well today. Uh, what a what a, and he he went as uh, an athlete. He's he's signing a scholarship as an athlete, and I love that because he is an unbelievable football player he's a quarterback that just kept West Mesa uh you know even through their final game of the season against Rio Rancho and he's like a point forward on Sean Schreier's West Mesa Mustang basketball team so hey why not Uh, why not Zach go to Eastern play two sports that'd be doing it up right wouldn't it picture on the wall somewhere (laughs) oh man uh yeah I mean that's great I mean I uh I mean anytime you can go play two sports i mean that's pretty incredible i mean uh doesn't matter where it is and i mean the bottom line is the landscape of college sports right now he goes and balls out for a couple years he could go anywhere that's a good point (laughs) yeah no kidding and uh shout out to his dad landry brody who was a uh university of new mexico lobo fullback for rocky long all right uh what else is going on, Sam? All right, moving on with who is in. The NFL continuing to outdo itself week over week, game over game with these ridiculous ratings. The ratings coming out for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Of course, we knew Chiefs-Bills was going to be this heavyweight fight and everybody huddled around their TVs. And when I say everybody, everybody, that game surpassing an average of 50 million with the peak of 56 and a half. For Bills and Chiefs. Oh, I mean, I hate to say it, but I was watching with for when they cut to Taylor Swift. <laughs> Not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, quit showing her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, for... we have to show her every time Travis Kelsey catches a pass. Oh, no, at least man. now we got Jason, uh, shirtless Jason Kelsey, like a velociraptor out there jumping out of the suite. <laughs> you know, God forbid they keep the camera on the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, rate monster ratings up and down. Uh, uh, yeah, that's just the NFL. It's uh, you know the, you, you look at the top 100 uh, rated shows in a year, and typically like 80 percent of me or like 60 percent of them or 70 percent of them are NFL games, and other 10 or 15 percent are college games. And then there's like a presidential speech and you know the Emmy Awards or something like that yeah. in the top. 100. And then last year it was about 90 percent, and we may even top that again when we uh, do this around this time in 2025. Last one for who is in? Just a crazy night in the NBA last night. Joel Embiid breaking Wilt Chamberlain's franchise record with the 76ers, becoming the first player in franchise history to post a 70-point game as the Sixers beat the Spurs 133-123. to 123. And I had to, to double-check this as well. When Wilt scored that 100-point game, he was in Philadelphia, but it was the Philadelphia Warriors who are now in the Golden State Warriors. 
Yeah, and you hear this 70-point number, um, and then you kind of realize actually two players got 70 last year, correct, Sam? Yeah, two players got 70 last year, and we almost we, we, we were flirting with two players having 70 last night because Carl Anthony Towns with the Minnesota Timberwolves, he broke his own franchise record with 62. We'll come back to that here in a second, but it wasn't even just... The 70 points, it was 70 points and a season-high 18 rebounds to go along with it. Actually, what I'll say, it wasn't even just the 70 points and the 18 rebounds. Like, it was a competitive game. It was like 133 to 123. I mean, when Kobe got his huge number, it like it become like transformed into a regular season NBA All-Star game type thing. They were like playing Olay defense on him and all that kind of stuff. And and when guys are going off and it's a blowout, you know, the defense is like, oh, let him get his, whatever, you know. This was a game that was like nip and tuck to yeah, the This was a ten point game and it delivered us the quote of the night from Greg Popovich before the game. He was asked about his plan to guard Joel Embiid, quote I don't think it matters what we do. I can give you some bull bleep answer if you want. <laughs> Pop. Go have another bottle of wine. Pop. All right. Uh, so what else before we go to who's out? All right, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns again. His 62 points last night. That one was not enough as the Wolves lose 128-125 to the Charlotte Hornets on the home floor there at Target Center. This is still the number one team in the Western Conference, but a three-point loss to a not-so-good Hornets team. And with that loss, hey, it, it's great if you score 62 points, but if you do, you better win the game. If you don't, coach doesn't care how many points you scored. This was Wolves head coach Chris Finch in the postgame. It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. So, obviously, Coach Finch is trying to nip this whole thing in the bud right now. The Timberwolves are in first place in the Western Conference. They sure are. But, like, you know, and one loss doesn't make a season, but obviously uh, he's he's trying to nip this in the bud. All right, who's out there, Sammy? All right, for the second year in a row, both coordinators are gone come season's end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year it was offensive coordinator Shane Steichen going to be the head coach of the Colts. Defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon doing the same thing with the Cardinals. This time around, not so bittersweet. They were both fired. And we know earlier in the season, Sean Desai was demoted to some other role. We don't even know what it was. Matt Patricia shows up in the middle of the year and becomes defensive coordinator. Well, now he is gone, as is Brian Johnson. By all accounts, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, is coming back. But this will be... His third year in a row with different offensive and defensive coordinators. Not that he's got a lot of shining notes on on his resume this season, but yeah, you're putting your coach in a tough spot there. I mean, that's just day in the life as a as an NFL staffee or a player. You know, I mean, if you would have pulled probably the uh, the public eight games into the year, nine games into the year, ten games into the year this last year, you're probably saying I want everybody back, right? And so. Pretty crazy, um, you know what? What finishing the season, the way those guys, how they finished it? Yeah, they were ten and one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. They're ten and one. They were primed to have that one spot and uh, make another Super Bowl run, but uh, yeah, like I said, day in the life of an NFL uh, player and coach. You're not getting the job done. That's 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 the life we live. All right, last one here for who's out. Tough night last night for the former team of Isaac Mushilla, of course, now on the Lobo men's basketball team. 
came from Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. A loss last night that would just make your head explode as they lose 62-61 to McNeese State. First part of the story, they open the second half on a 17-0 run. They're up by 18, still in the early stages of the second half. A lot of basketball to play. McNeese State comes back to where they're playing the foul game in the last couple seconds. It's anybody's game. Corpus Christi splits at the line. They're up two. Well, somebody had a short-circuiting brain moment and intentionally fouls going the other way, thinking maybe they were up three instead of two. So, 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 uh, so, uh, so all of a sudden now there's a chance for McNeese to tie the game. They split at the line as well. Two offensive rebounds later. Basket goes in. And that 18-point lead goes away, but that intentional foul is going to be one that's going to be talked about, I'm sure, over and over again in practice. Yeah, I mean, J.R. Smith did that one time, I believe, uh, playing for the Lakers, or he did, I, I, I don't know, yeah, I think he there was did. A, there was a, a time when he was playing for the Cavs, it wasn't an intentional oh, foul, that's right. it was but he, dri- he dribbled out the clock, oh, not realizing what the score was. That's right, the shot clock. Yeah. Uh, he dribbled out the shot clock, uh, not thinking they were ahead or something like that. This, this would kind of fit into that same category. All right. Uh, what is number four there, Sammy? All right. To the Mountain West, three games tonight, including a CBS Sports doubleheader. So you can make a whole night of it tonight. First of the doubleheader, 7 o'clock, Wyoming at San Diego State. According to ESPN Bet, Aztecs a 17.5 point favorite. Wyoming has been the dictionary definition of Different team at home versus on the road. They are coming off of a nice win over Nevada, so maybe some confidence tonight. That's a, that's, that's a big number to cover for San Diego State. Obviously, Vegas thinks they should comfortably win, but you never know in the Mountain West. It'd be a tough year to be a better for Mountain West hoops. I'll just chime in and say that I'd take San Diego State and lay the 17. They, they're coming off back-to-back losses. Uh, they, and, yeah. you know, I'm not... I, 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 not to use the the Lobos were up by seventeen, I think, on Wyoming. Ended up beating them seventeen here. I don't know. That's just going to be an angry group of of uh, Aztecs there, and yeah, Wyoming might get be the recipient of that. All right, the other games tonight yeah, after that. Uh, so the second half of the CBS Sports doubleheader going to the Thomas and Mac for Air Force and UNLV. It is double digit dog night. For the Air Force Falcons, 11.5-point dogs at the Thomas and Mack. In the middle of that, 8.30, Fox Sports 1. Boise State at Fresno State. Broncos, 5.5-point road favorites in Fresno. Yeah, I mean, it, because, right, we'll get to it later, but, like, there's five teams in the discussion for making uh, the NCAA tournament right now in the league. Right, Sam? Yeah, five, so, uh, at least five. Uh, Fox Sports has six, but, yeah, at okay, least five. Okay, so what that does, it makes... Nights like tonight, a Tuesday night, where you're like, I don't have anything to watch. Uh, you know, I, I I want the of these three, I want to watch uh, Air Force at UNLV. I I just uh, UNLV wanna, just must watch every night. I, I, you know, I just I, and then you know Air Force. I enjoyed watching them the other day when the Lobos whipped them. So anyway, uh, yeah, the games at Fresno, which is tonight, Boise at Fresno. They, they. That's when I turn that on when I'm trying to fall asleep because there's nobody there. I'm sorry, Sam. Okay, I'm sorry. And you know what? The Vieja Center isn't much better. I mean, I know the show is there. San Diego State, yeah. 
Uh, I'm watching UNLV and Air Force. All right. Um, so tell me what else is going on. Zach, you've only been back in a couple weeks, but you always pay attention to everything around here. So you're keeping an eye on this Lobo men's basketball team, I'm assuming. Uh, oh, yeah. You're you know at the folks watching the Lobos when you can. Uh, your brother Sam's a big Lobo fan. Your sister-in-law's last name, maiden name is Kirk, right? Alex Kirk's sister's married to Zach Gentry's brother, Sam. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all... It's all around. Yeah, oh yeah. No, I I love watching the Lobos football, basketball, whatever it is, and it's been fun to watch them this year. I mean, they got some special guards, some special talent down low. So, looking for them to to finish off the season strong. And I mean, like you said earlier, it's it's hard to uh, predict who's going to win in this conference in basketball. It just really is. But it's a lot of fun to watch. You you love it. You love the high school state tournament, and you like focus. JT Toppin uh, is one of those guys that you as a former basketball player would have loved to play with. I mean, like his, uh, you know, the way that um, his instincts, his anticipation, his soft touch. I mean, for a freshman, Zach, come on, man. I mean, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty special. And, and to see what he's been able to do um, as a freshman, like you said, is, is pretty incredible. And it's been really, really neat for me on, on the outside looking in to see how packed the pit's been. I mean, those are like the good old days, my good old days at least. Not everybody listens good old days. When I was going to the mid-2000s and that place was rocking, uh, the, the Steve Alford you know, days, it's back to that. You know, it's, it's packed in there. And so I commend the fans and commend the Lobos for playing well under that kind of pressure. Right. And, and that's going to get the attention. I mean, you went to school in Michigan. You know, they're flipping on the TV last Saturday or whatever to see the Lobos playing San Diego State. You got the, the place striped in uh, red and white. You got people doing the wave. You got uh, Bill uh, Rafferty there uh, on the color analyst. I mean, that's going to impress people coast to coast, Zach. Yeah, and, and I mean, the pit is such a special place when it's full and when it's rocking. It really is. I mean, that is a cool, cool place to, I'm sure, play at, but a really, really cool place to be a spectator and a part of. All right, what else there, Sam? All right, yeah, so Joe Lenardi did move the Lobos off of the bubble in his latest update this morning. Has him in the last four buys, and he has the Lobos as a 10 seed as it stands in his latest bracketology today. You got San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State, Colorado State, and the Lobos in for Joe Lenardi. And then Fox Sports has Nevada in as the sixth team in one of the play-in games. Just because I know you love this stuff, and... It's getting Lobo fans excited about what could possibly be possible first-round Patino Bowl in the NCAA tournament. Jeff Goodman and company at the field of 68. They have the Lobos in the 8-9 matchup with St. John's. Yeah, and you said that you know I love it. You know I hate it. I, I, I hate it, okay? I'm fine with, you know, let me know who the teams are. But when you start talking about in mid-January, this team's going to play this team, is going to play this team. And, like, come on, man. I don't need any of that. Um... Zach, when you were at Michigan, did you go used to watch Michigan Hoops? Wolverine? It wasn't Beeline there. I mean, yeah. they had it going on. They were really good the, the years that I was there. Actually, they went to the national championship and lost to Villanova my senior year. I think they went to two or three Elite Eights in a couple Final Fours my four years. So they Jordan were really Poole good. on that team, right? Jordan Poole, yeah. they Very good. Very good team. Very good team. It was a lot of fun to watch. Chrysler Center. All right. We'll place the Okay, dude, they're not listening back in Ann Arbor. I, like, the Chrysler Center is is not up to the standards of the pit. Or, am I right? No, you're right. I would way rather play a game and watch a game in the pit. There's actually no doubt about that. Yeah, no the, the, there's no uh, mistaking. You go to the state tournament there, the 830 game is Cliff versus Floyd, and 
even if there's only six or 8,000 people in there, it seems like the whole place is packed when you're going in. There's something about that building. Talking about Cliff Floyd, the former Marlin? <laughs> Not that. Yeah, that, No, there are two, two towns here in New Mexico. I, I, I should have used maybe Logan versus Eunice or Jal versus somebody, but you get my point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to play in there a couple times in high school, and, and it just the perspective completely changes when you're on that court, too. I mean, it looks and feels big when you're in the stands, and when you're down there playing, it's like, this place is massive. It's pretty cool. Pretty okay, so you uh, played in the pit uh, at El Dorado. That, uh, was, it, was that your sophomore year? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yes, yes, freshman and sophomore year. Freshman and sophomore year. Yes. And, we're going back a decade plus now. That's pretty crazy. I, I, okay, your, your senior year, you chose not to play because you were getting ready to go play yeah. big-time football. Uh, but that was the same team that Cullen Neal was on as a senior that battled back and forth with LaQuaver, Bryce Alford and Cullen. And that, that would have been you on that court with Cullen had you decided not to, to skip out and go to college early, right? Yeah, so we, we actually, we, El Dorado won state 2012, my freshman year against La Cueva. Then my sophomore year, we lost in double or triple overtime to Clovis in the semis there. In the junior year, we made it to the state tournament, just missed out on pit time. I got you. All right. Keep talking to me, Sammy. Three, three. All right, we're calling this one the Caitlin Clark effect. Of course, the star player for the Iowa Hawkeyes. The attendance last night listed at 18,660 at Columbus. See, the Buckeyes beat Iowa 100-92 to in overtime, but this has been steady all season where pretty much like a week or so after the NCAA tournament last year, Iowa announced that they were sold out for season tickets for this season for women's basketball. They're getting just a shade under 15,000 at every home game, but that's wherever Iowa goes, people yeah, yeah. want to go see Caitlin Clark. Yeah, when they realized they could not watch her play at home, they people started gobbling up tickets throughout the entire Big Ten, Zach. I mean, you're looking at some of these att- attendance numbers. Uh, all sellouts. Did you watch the game on Sunday? Uh, they went nose-to-nose against Ohio State, and Ohio State, unbelievable performance like the last part of the fourth quarter and then they won the game in overtime uh they stormed the court actually somebody knocked over caitlin clark which which you know what i read the story and i'm expecting to think you know like there's going to be all this chaos and you know stuff going back and forth like right away she said i'm fine you know and then like they were like we just need to focus on this so this doesn't happen again but she, she wasn't like over dramatizing the situation she's like i'm fine we Lost. Yeah, no, I'd be on. more curious if the dude that ran into her was fine. He was looking at his phone. Oh, yeah, good point, actually. Looking yeah. on his phone, sprinting onto a court. Bad ball. <laughs> Bad ball. Focus on the focus on the the running onto the court. Big fella. My God. <laughs> looking at your phone while you're running onto a court. Uh, anything else on Caitlin Clark other than the fact that uh she's averaging thirty uh two points a game. Uh she's shooting 48% from the field and 40% from behind the three-point line. And, like, she takes, like, threes when she's crossing half court. I mean, uh, her range and hitting big buckets. But, hey, kudos to the Buckeyes uh, getting that W against them uh, there. They had lost one other time in the, uh, earlier in the year. And to K-State. K-State at home. Anna. K-State at home, and that one was also a sellout. 
14,998 looks to be the official capacity there for the arena. They had 18,600 uh, there in Columbus, Ohio. How about 18, that? 18,6 uh, for that game on uh, Sunday. All right, uh, talk to me. Uh, what else is going on there? Two. All right, climbing the ranks of basketball to the NBA, the team with the second best record in the Eastern Conference fired their coach today. They didn't win a, com- a, week- a weekly award like JT Toppin. They fired their head coach at 30-13. and 13. Milwaukee Bucks moving on from Adrian Griffin today, again, at 30-13. and 13. This is not the same defensive team of, of years past, but you got Giannis, you got Dame, and you knew what you were signing up for. Damian Lillard is not maybe not a defensive liability, but he's also not going to try very hard defensively. This, whole, this was supposed to be a different makeup. Now, they're pretty bad defensively, and it seems like as more and more details come out about the story that the writing may have been on the wall for some time, but still, just hard to wrap your head around a team being 30-13, and 13, and your reward for that is getting fired. This is ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. They looked at where this team was, how it was responding under Griffin, although the second-best record right now, 30-13, and 13, that they have such a tight championship window with Giannis Antetokounmpo, certainly the Damian Lillard trade, you know, which happened after they hired Griffin as head coach, and they made a decision to make the change. They told Adrian Griffin of that just within the last hour, I'm told, that he's out, and this is a Milwaukee team uh, that you have seen at every turn trying to maximize, again, this championship window, and they make a really difficult decision today to move on from Adrian Adrian Griffin. Anyway, the Bucks have won just one playoff series since they won the championship, but I would And just, that's why Coach Bud got fired, right? That was why he got fired, and I would just throw caution because the hot name that's being attached to this job <gasps> is, Who are we talking about that might get the job? And that was a combination of either PJ Carlissimo or Doc Rivers. That was a, that was pretty good, actually. I was not ready for that. That was good. Yeah, Doc Rivers. Is, Doc Rivers is the name that's being thrown into the mix here. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about? Hey, we got to the first round last year. Maybe we can get to the second round this time. Let's go hire Doc Rivers. Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't get the what I wanted out of the players when I was with the Clippers. Or the Sixers, but I'm going to get it done in, in Milwaukee if I'm given the job. Wow. James Harden oh, no. just committed yeah. another turnover. I'm not even coaching anymore. We don't even need to do number one. That's a good point. No, the, uh, major, the Baseball Hall of Fame class announced for this year in the last hour or so. Three names getting into the Hall of Fame. Former Texas Ranger Adrian Beltre, longtime Twins catcher Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton, finally a Hall of Famer. Everybody's favorite, Todd Helton. So they're all in? They're all in. The three, that's your Hall of Fame class for this year. Those three guys, Beltre, Maurer, and Helton. You know, well, educate me on Maurer, because he was a, a Twinkie, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he came up, he was going to be the next Wonder Boy, and he was a good, solid player for a bunch of years. He stayed in Minnesota. He should be given a Hall of Fame <laughs> ballot for that. But, um, you know, here's my thought on this, dude. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but these do not seem to be the standards that we're used to from Hall of Fame classes. And let's face it, the reason for it is because of the dark clouds of the PE. EDs were all kind of during the time when when these guys were playing. Uh, so a lot of the 
biggest stars in the games were like suspected of this and it's preventing them from getting into the Hall of Fame and like no, so, the, the Hall of Fame has become the Hall of really good in baseball. Yeah, uh it, but I don't know if they like really uh, they kind of painted themselves in a corner with that. All right. So, uh nice job on top 5 there, Sammy. That's tonight's Hinkle Law Offices Top 5. Hinkle Law Offices representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. To your point, a couple of guys who were on the ballot that didn't get in. Billy Wagner, my favorite batting stance of all time as a kid. Gary well, Billy Sheff- Wagner was a relief pitcher with the Astros. Yeah. He was like 5'8 and could throw 108. I mean, he, he was, uh, and he played even with my Mets there at some point in his career. Uh, so who, who he was left out. Who else got left out? My favorite batting stance waggle as a kid that I always wanted to emulate. Gary Sheffield. Sheffield, uh, yeah, the yeah. wrists on that dude to be able to move that bat back and forth the way that he did in the box. His wrist should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, yeah, all of these. But you know, again, you know, you usually know right away whether a guy's a Hall of Famer. I mean, and uh, Todd Helton up the road. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of him. You know, he's the one that made the transition from playing quarterback at Tennessee to playing first base and. Hitting three something and hitting a bunch of bombs up in Colorado before they adjusted the humidors and stuff, and him and Vinny Castillo and all the 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 Blake Street bombers that they were called. Helton was a fine player, but again, Hall of Famer. I'm you know I'm not so sure. Uh, all right, well uh, they got to put some guys in. Good job there, uh, Sam, on uh, the top five. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we still haven't gotten to the Cowboy Report, and uh, we'll do that when we come back. Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser sitting uh, in with us is Zach Gentry, number 88, with your Las Vegas Raiders. We'll talk Cowboys when we come back. Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017, the team.